Hello, welcome to the Relevant Faith Podcast. My name is Frank Mistretta, and on this podcast, Pastor Troy Wallace and I have Bible-focused, Jesus-centered discussions about what it looks like to live as a Christian in today's culture. If you have any feedback, want to ask a question, have a topic you would like us to talk about, or just want to be on the show, you can email us at relevantfaithpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out Crosspoint Adventist Church on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Adventist and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash crosspointadven. That's A-D-V-E-N. Be sure to watch the Crosspoint Worship Service live stream at our website at crosspointadventist.com Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, Troy, we're back for episode two of Relevant Faith Podcast. Can you believe it that we're recording a second episode? I can believe it because we're doing it, <laughs> yeah. but I'm so excited that we are doing it. Yeah, it's it's awesome to be um, in this podcast with you, Frank. I, I just love our conversations, and so I'm glad we get to make them public. <laughs> yeah, I, um, we have so far um, about 21 uh, listens on the first episode, so hopefully as awesome. um, more people hear about it, they like it, they want to share it with friends, you know, feel free to share this with people that you know, and um, yeah, I'm just hoping that God can use this and, and really grow it and, and we can get some good conversations and community going with this, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, today's episode, you know, we're talking about coronavirus and how it's just really disrupted everything about, you know, our community and the world. And um, I actually have permission. <laughs> I asked Caleb Isley, a, a member of our church community, if I could quote him on Twitter. So he sent out a tweet and he says, what is church outside of the program? And I thought mm. that was such an awesome question to ask. And it's so relevant because when mm-hmm. we can't meet in person and we can't like go out into the community to do things, what what is church at this point? When everything's stripped away, what is church? So Troy, what, yeah. is, what is church, man? <laughs> Good question. So as I understand it in my reading of scripture, um, God, his view of church is drastically different than our uh, methods of doing church. Um, and, and I get my perspective, not just from one place in scripture, but I am going to highlight one place in scripture. And that's Luke 15. Um, and Jesus is talking to church people, if you will. Um, he's talking to Pharisees, and he tells a series of of parables talking about uh, how he thinks that the church should be positioned. You know, a church that's looking for lost coins, a church that's looking for lost sons and lost sheep. You know, this is his view of church. And so in Luke 15, um, Jesus starts telling as many people have heard it, the prodigal son story. And I think more important than uh, naming the prodigal as like this main character is the perspective of the narrator, if that makes any sense to you. So Jesus as the narrator is telling uh, this story and illuminating us to kind of the father's perspective on his family. That's interesting. So the father is, is, has two sons, right? And if the father, if we can relate that father family 
unit as the church, like the father as the head of the church, right? He has, you know, quote unquote, a son outside and a son inside, you know, the, the walls of the building, you know, if we can relate it in that way, metaphorically. And the way that the father views the church is nobody to him as an outsider, you know? And so it's kind of a, a radical paradigm shift. If you think of the father viewing his sons, like, you know, the prodigal versus the, 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 the one that stayed at home, right. Is if this is the church, there's a son that's in that that's in the in crew and the son, that's the wild worldly one, but God, you know, Jesus telling about his father, like is trying to break down this mold of how we think about church. And so that's kind of really shaped me in, in how I think about church. Like what if as um, people in, in the body of Christ, we started seeing the entire world as God's church with no insiders or outsiders, simply as people that have understanding and people that don't have understanding of them of themselves and God. You know what I mean? What if it was more of like the, I hate to use like Eastern language, but like the enlightened ones, those that have an understanding and belief in God as their father and those who are ignorant to it. Um, that's how I approach it. And so with that framework of church is, is, is like God's whole creation is his cathedral how am I to live my life as a believer in the church? You know, and that is so much broader than, you know, the narrow places that church is, has been currently where it's like, you know, I go to church, I do church, I am a part of the church, you know, and so I'm going to do churchy things um, as opposed to, you know, my life is about my life, what I do, my, my work, my family, my kids, my you know, everything, this is my church activity. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're saying, you're saying it's, it's tied into us as like our vocational calling from God, right? It's not just something new, yeah. like one day a week and we go to church and, you know, for an hour and a half, we shake some hands and sing some songs and, and, you know, do the, do the, exactly. do the ritual stuff. And then we go home and like our lives are totally not different from anything else. It's, you're saying it's, yeah. it's all encompassing, like being part of the church isn't just an activity. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I, exactly. yeah, I like that. You know, I, I, um, one of my favorite biblical scholars, he's this guy named Michael Heiser. And uh, he has a statement. He says a lot. He goes, wouldn't it be nice if church wasn't just a time or a place? Right. And mm -hmm. I think it ties mm -hmm. into what you're saying about how, you know, everything that mm -hmm. we do, um, is like church activity when we go to work yep. and you're, you know, living your life or you're interacting with your coworkers or you're doing your job like that can be like a church activity. Now you're not doing anything for the church, but people can, can see you and how you behave. And it's like, Oh, that person's like yeah. different. Right. Like, like they're right, not, right. they're not doing the things that everyone else is doing. I wonder what that's about. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a qualitative shift in how you live your life. And it's, it's, it's about intentionally living your life as, as an, an offering to God. And I, I take this passage in Romans 12, 12, Romans 12, one, where, where Paul is saying, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Like he, Paul is taking the imagery of old church, 
picture uh, metaphor, you know, the the temple, right, where they'd bring a, an actual sacrifice and they'd slaughter it on the altar and, you know, they'd have their sins atoned for or whatever. But he's taking that and saying, this is your entire life. Your whole life is this sacrifice. It's not a compartment of religious life. This is your entire life. You know, so the ways that our minds are being transformed is informing the way that we live our life as a sacrifice in every single area. Yeah, and I it's like a lot that. broader. I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, um, one thing. So the Bible Project, I love the Bible Project. You will hear talk about mm, me too. Yeah. And I, everybody after this podcast, go look up their like Luke Acts series. Um, amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing. But one thing that I didn't realize is and Pentecost. So um, in Acts 2 at, at, the, at the Pentecost, when um, all the uh, disciples are praying in the upper room and the spirit comes upon them all and like the flames of tongue are above their heads. Right. So that's like the mm-hmm. beginning of the church. Right. Like that in the, in the Bible, that's like when the church starts and the Bible project makes this nice link. And they say, like, it's similar to Second Chronicles 7 when Solomon, you know, King David says, I'm going to build you a temple. And God says, no, I'm mm-hmm. going to build you a temple. Right. And Mm, mm -hmm. his son Mm. Solomon like finishes the temple. And when they um, do all the first sacrifices, they invite God to come and he comes in a pillar of fire to enter Solomon's temple and and dwelling in the temple. So God is with his people in the temple. And so what the Bible project makes this allusion to is that Acts is telling the reader us that God's presence now is no longer in a temple of stone and wood and brick. But it's in yeah. his people, in his, in right. the church. That's where God's presence dwells. And in the yeah. book of Acts, it's not a building or it's not like one time a day and that's it or one day a week and that's it. It's in the dwelling of the people's lives, right? It's like in, in them. Right. And so, so we are like the temple. We are, the church is the temple, yeah. right? And so the, the presence of God dwells in us on earth. And I think it, it ties back to what we were talking about, a vocational calling, right? Because in Genesis, you know, God tells us to rule the earth and subdue it as priest kings under him, right? And so now with the indwelling presence of the spirit, we can actually live out that new creation calling through the church. Yeah. And so I, I really yeah. find value value in that. And and it's just really a beautiful, a beautiful theological statement. Yeah. And 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 isn't it interesting? I mean, I'm just gonna put this point out for musing, but isn't it interesting that where we're at right now with coronavirus has put a ban on the gathering spaces. So in essence, the temple has been nullified. The temples that we work, worship in have been nullified. And we're we're figuring it out again, how to be church without the the orifice that we've gone to worship in. You know what I mean? And so in some way, like there's been cycles throughout scripture where the temples become so preeminent in faith and life that that the the actual lives that we're supposed to live as believers have been you know disintegrated into less than effective right and so i'm starting to see the shift where people are learning to try to be effective in the church you know without this the the staple locations and churches and buildings and stuff in in new ways like again afresh and it's just i just find it interesting and you know museworthy i guess <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really cool, man. Yeah. So I actually wanted to ask your pastoral response on something. So I'll tell a little okay. bit of my story. Um, and I, it has relevance to this because 
when people talk about like the church, right? Mm -hmm. There are like thousands of registered denominations of the Christian church in the world, right? And Mm -hmm. so a little bit about my story. So I was, I was born into a Catholic family and I was raised Catholic. And so I'm talking like baptized as an infant, first communion in grade school, confirmed in high school. Like I did all the, the classes. I mean, we were like Catholic and, um, you know, I wouldn't say that I met the risen Jesus until a couple of years ago. And Mm. I mean, for our listeners, if you've never heard this term before, um, I went through a massive deconstruction phase. And what that means is a lot of people actually leave the church because something happens in their life and they do what's called a deconstruction of their faith. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they break it down and see if it fits. Does this make sense? Is this real? Did this happen? Was Jesus a person, et cetera? And luckily I met the risen Jesus. So I also went through a reconstruction phase, but during this time I was wrestling with scripture. How did it compare to my Catholic faith? How did all of this work in my life now? And it was really hard for me for like a year and a half of my life because I didn't know what church had quote the truth. I didn't know if I could trust everybody because my whole life faith was just like shattered when I met the true Mm. risen Lord, just like, you know, I mean, everything in my life was shattered, but that was a big one. And so like, what, what do you say if you would have talked to me when I was in that year and a half phase in my life and I was struggling with like, how do I find a church? Because everyone says that we have the truth. Like what, what would you say as a pastor to someone like me in that time? (laughs) So if you were mid wrestling, I suppose I can say, I think the first thing I'd say is I would probably just applaud you for having the courage to, to pursue those questions. Um, Because I think a lot of people are afraid to have their world radically deconstructed um, to lose your footing on what you think is real and not real. It's very scary. For the listeners, that was one of the most, spiritually and emotionally like traumatizing it was hard it was rough man and i mean i i'm solid in my faith now but man that was wild time yeah it's a total loss of control you know and it's emotionally painful because you are grieving the loss of one way of life you know and you're accepting something new and the new thing is better by far it's better but it's a scary scary process um and not in a foreboding fear, but more of like a, I have no idea what my life will look like it's five months from now, a year from now, two years from now. I don't know. I feel like I've lost all grip on, on, on reality um, to some extent. And, and God is so good to us in that state as I'm sure he was for you to just give it, give us a little bit of encouragement and hope every single day as we begin to see him um, more clearly. Um, so that would be the first thing I'd tell you is like, man, I'm so proud of you for, and I'm, I'm just impressed by your courage to pursue um, this journey that you're on. But I think to address the second thing that you're talking about, um, I, I don't know. I, I, as a pastor, am more concerned with your understanding of the risen Christ than I am about my particular denomination. Because um, the way that 
the way that I d- try to disciple people is unto Christ, not unto me or my tradition. Um, as much as I love and appreciate my tradition, um, I think the very basis of everybody's faith as a Christian has to be in Jesus alone. Um, and Jesus has to become clear to a person. Um, and it can, and he can become clear to a person through a certain tradition's teachings. Um, and so, you know, that, that's my focus. Um, the reason I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor um, would be partly because I was exposed to Seventh-day Adventism early in my life. But, but in addition to that, in my, in my own personal conversion, I came to examine the teachings and, and um, the tradition of the Adventist church and really appreciate a lot of what it teaches. So that's why I choose to serve in this church. Um, I would say to you that every denomination, including Catholicism, has value, has spiritual value. Um, there, uh, different churches prioritize different things and elevate different aspects of God in very, very um, helpful ways. Like, for example, uh, the charismatic traditions, they elevate the spirit in ways that um, even my tradition doesn't. They elevate, um, they elevate the movement of God, the power of God, the prophetic uh, elements of God in ways that um, my tradition doesn't as much. You know? and, and I value that because I learn from that. The Catholic tradition, they value the contemplative tradition. They, they value introspection. They, they value silence and, and other things that are really beneficial to grow and to allow God to do deep work in your life. You know, our tradition values um, a very rational understanding of how God has moved over time. It's a prof- we have a more or less a historicist prophetic tradition, which looks at God from creation till the end of time as a God who's moving in history at specific times to further his plan of redemption. And so, you know, I value our tradition for that. And I get a great picture of Jesus as a very engaged God through our tradition. So if I was counseling you, I would just say, you know, look for a church, look for a tradition that really focuses on Christ first and embodies what it could look like for a community, a body of Christ to be trying to live out his mission. That's, that would be my recommendation. And I would be so bold as to say to any person, if they find a community that's doing it better than our community, by no means should you be bound to us, right? Go or to the place where God is moving and be blessed. Or better yet, if if somebody sees somebody out there doing things that are really spirit driven, get us involved. I mean, I don't think anybody in any church would. I mean, hopefully I would hope nobody in any church would be like mad that someone else is doing it different or better. I would hope that we would yeah. want to be involved and, you know, um, just, just yeah. cross those barriers and, and really show the community the love of Jesus. And I, I love what you said about. Um, each denomination having value, I, you know, I just to land a plan on my story. Like I, I think Jesus knows your heart. I think he, yeah, he knows absolutely. who's in his hand and nobody can snatch them out of his hand. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's all about, it's all about Jesus and, and his love and what he's done for us. Um, so we're going to yeah. take a little break um, on the other side of the break. We're going to talk about um, a little bit more about what the church can do um, currently and to stay relevant in today's culture and, and what the future of the church will look like. So um, catch us on the other side of a break.
All right, we're back. Thank you for listening to the second half of this episode. So, Troy, today's culture, at least in the West, um, Christianity just kind of seems like it doesn't matter anymore. Um, you know, that was one of the the motivators that I wanted to make this podcast with you is because I think we both recognize, especially in a city like Portland, that nobody really cares about Jesus or he's just like, you know, a, in a pluralistic religious culture, like Jesus is just one of many. It doesn't matter, whatever. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, when I when I came into the faith, what, what really helped me um, find out that Jesus really was important was his self-sacrificial love and and how he would mm-hmm. um, just he would just get into like the relevant issues of his day and have something really profound mm-hmm. to say. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, I was involved in CrossFit for a while and I, I seriously want to ask you this question. What would make church different from a crossfit gym now hear me out so my crossfit gym we met up all the time we had social Mm -hmm. events together we were a really tight community if somebody had problems we would go help them out we would like show up at their house um everybody knew each other's names and so so like what what is the church what should the church be doing different than like other things in culture yeah Good question, man. Um, so, you know, in my teenage years to young, early young adult years, like I was very involved in like a video game community as well. And, you know, that community, you know, I knew people, I connected, I met them in real life. We enjoyed doing similar things. And I think just like you, um, I was involved in this community that it, it just, we just existed as a community. We just knew that we were a community, you know, but as it pertains to the church, the question is, you know, what is different from that? Um, from what is different from that and the church? And I would say that community communitarianism, if I can use that term, that term of like a, ph- a philosophy of community, you know, is obsessed in general with itself. It's obsessed with its group, its tribe, its people, its culture, it's accept it's obsessed with its survival. It's obsessed with with all of those things. Um it's except it's it's obsessed with its own members. Um and you know uh, something super relevant for Oregon. Um, there used to be this this movement of people that had swung here from India. They're called the Rajneeshis. Oh, and, and this group of people, you know, they um they were students and disciples of this guy named the Bhagwan. And he was kind of a Hindu um, teacher, sensei guru, I guess you call him. And he was trying to revolutionize a type of community that um, was focused on this fusion between the Western man and the Eastern man. So he wanted to fuse like Eastern spirituality with Western intellectualism. And he actually attracted a lot of Western thinking intellectuals um, and, you know, integrated that with this whole spiritual dimension. Right. So they, so they ended up leaving India and buying this 80,000 acre uh, ranch called the muddy ranch in somewhat close to Antelope, Oregon. And uh, at this ranch, they were built on the values of um, sharing um, freedom um, they they wanted free love it was all about like you know no restrictions on sexuality and things like that it's a very interesting community um ultimately 
their community collapsed from the inside out because um, certain players in the community started doing very unethical, immoral things like, you know, attempted murder and poisoning people and trying to win elections by manipulation and intimidation and all these kind of things. Um, but this experiment kind of, I think, starkly differentiates what communitarianism is from church because church is not centered around its own existence right like like you you mentioned that christ's love his self-sacrificial love was the thing that really drew you in and i think that's the embodiment of how church is to be as a community it's actually a community that's focused on the other over self right so it's the the church's philosophy or, or worldview or perspective or way of living is all about the other right it's it's more concerned with the other than it's concerned with itself and to me that is the major differentiating marker between communitarianism and church where you can build i think it is important to build awesome culture within church community um, but that culture is a culture of uh of self-sacrificing love both for the people in it and for those especially those outside of it and that's where we struggle that's where the church is intention because that inclination to, you know, be obsessed with your own community can take over and be, uh, can hijack the inclination to be sacrificial and about, you know, about the existing community outside of your, of your body of believers, if you want to call it that. So yeah, that's, that's such a good point, Troy. Um, you know, real quick, you mentioned the Rajneeshis. So there's a show right on Netflix. It's wild, wild country. I think is that, yeah. yeah um, if anyone's interested, you should watch that documentary, but just be careful because man, that even creeped me out. Some of the stuff on there, yeah. they were, they yeah. were not good. I don't know. That was wild stuff. Um, yeah, they, yeah, it was, it, it, and it's mature content. So mature. if you're going to watch it, just be prepared. You will see some, some very mature material, um, but for a historical exercise it's a it's a cool thing to watch and, and you know what i think it i think it's important to 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 know about that kind of stuff because the church could have a response to things like that right like you know yeah. um like you said that community and like my crossfit community too it's it's very inward focused right like the the barrier for entry at crossfit is financial right yeah so you know it, crossfit gyms are very expensive as a fitness guy i think you get your money's worth but there's that's a barrier for a lot of people whereas um and a church jesus message it's all about the foreigners and the fatherless and widows and like, mm -hmm. the other right and um i think i think yeah. like you said you know taking jesus message seriously and and going out and self-sacrificially doing things for others without expecting any benefit in return i think is is the, mm -hmm. the defining characteristic of the church and um funny enough yeah. actually the growing young um like initiative the fuller youth institute put out this like program and the study looking at what churches have a lot of like growth in today's culture with like some of the younger people and they mm -hmm. have like six points of like things that churches do that just attract people and in jesus yeah. message seriously is one of the six points and so i think it's worth, yeah. worth um talking about um so, yeah yeah um it's good yeah man. so Okay. Uh, what, what do you think the future of the church is going to look like, especially now after coronavirus? I mean, I don't think things will ever go back the way they were completely. 
and you know sky's the limit all these churches are now getting like digital access and and reaching out yeah. to the digital world what, what do you think the future of the church looks like yeah i think that the the future of the church is decentralized you know where it's 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 not as uh dependent on you know the the big church leader you know the prolific charismatic speaker you know the institution the hierarchy i think it's less dependent on that and i think it's going out from the ordinary people like if you think about christ he called the fisherman and said i'm going to teach you to to fish for men right and he he chose these ordinary to confound the wise but to be effective at just spreading the gospel to ordinary people right and now with this this coronavirus especially it's 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 automatically decentralized things and people are using um the internet and digital media in ways that they'd never done before um i've heard it phrased like this that the that just like there was the the road in rome that paul uh, leveraged that had a roman postal service which is why we have letters from paul today in scripture um, just as Paul leveraged that, or I should say, just as the Spirit hijacked that system in order to further the gospel, I think God is doing that now to further the gospel. Um, one of the studies uh, from a group called the Barna Group, Barna is a Pew Research uh, Corporation, or I should say entity, um, Pew Research, they, they do research on church um, statistics and stuff like that, church trends. And they've kind of studied um, the differences between the levels of discipleship in America versus some international companies or uh, countries, sorry, not companies. And, you know, the level of what they call the resilient disciple in America was only like 8%, like 8% of believers are resilient disciples. And they're looking at other countries where, the 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 disciples are mature or, or what the percentages are in other countries and i think it was like malaysia you know 24 percent of people are resilient disciples and th oh, wow. that's for a number of a number of reasons like one of the reasons is you know they've gone through a lot more hardship and turmoil and that tends to be kind of the 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 cauldron of of purification of refining of uh, growth for an individual you know that trial and trial and tribulation persecution all these things really actually help the church flourish because that they, they they were um, a people built on a gospel from jesus christ that was a gospel of suffering and a gospel of pain where jesus came and met them in those situations and strengthened them you know and so uh, they've gone through that but they're also a culture that's embraced this kind of globalized uh environment that we actually live in where there's people from different countries all coming together leveraging technology using the internet and god is reaching people the spirit's reaching people through the internet and spreading the gospel in places he's never been able and growing them through the hardship in ways that he just hasn't been able to do in america right now so i'm starting to see you know, we've been slow to catch on as a church. The, ch the church in America tends to move a step or two behind the church in other places in the world. Um, but we are beginning to, or we're forced to leverage technology to spread the gospel. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this as a point of opportunity for God, where God is doing this new thing, where he's getting people past their prejudices. You know, so many older folks that I've known in the church have been so against 
transitioning to technology. You know, they called it digital Babylon and things like that. And in one foul swoop, now the older folks in our church are relying on the younger folks who've been using technology to try to stay connected. So God is in just a moment, just like flip the switch and he is he launched us into a new era of leveraging our technology to spread hope and, and faith and, and the gospel and our ministry and everything like that. Yeah, so. that's great, man. You know, I don't think we have a choice, really. Um, there's like a whole generation of children out there who they've never not had Internet access through their iPhone. <laughs> and yep. everything is online now. And if you're not online, you don't have legitimacy to like a lot of younger people. And I think it's a good thing. Uh, that the church is getting on board. And, you know, you mentioned how a lot of people maybe feel like the digital Babylon um, thing, but, you know, I take comfort in, you know, the, the story in Isaiah six, when um, Isaiah like has a vision in the temple and he's like, woe is me, I'm dead. And an angel like grabs Mm -hmm. a hot coal and touches his mouth and it purifies him or like Jesus, Mm -hmm. when he purifies lepers, you know, and if in the Levitical law, when, you touch a leper, you become contaminated. But Matthew, yeah. Matthew 8 is showing that when Jesus touches people, he purifies them, right? And so yeah. I don't yeah. think we should be afraid of digital Babylon just because the gospel and Jesus, they purify things and they redeem broken creation. And I don't think we should be afraid yeah. of that. I think we should pray for wisdom to use these yeah. new technologies in Christ-like, responsible yeah. ways. But I don't think we should be afraid of anything um, because the gospel purifies. And, you know, this is, this will be interesting for people. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Troy. Have you ever heard of VR church? No, virtual reality church. No. So there actually is a (laughs) VR church. They meet up in VR every week and there's a pastor. He's like a credentialed pastor and he meets people in VR and there's a whole ministry and people show up to church and get this. You can look this up on YouTube after this show. (laughs) <laughs> we are baptisms. So if you ever want to see what? an anime girl get baptized by a pastor with SpongeBob SquarePants and a banana watching in a Japanese bathhouse, oh you can go watch that on Goodness. YouTube. And but you know it's 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 kind of crazy. We're kind of joking about it, but you know the person uh, they had like an interview of somebody who is wheelchair bound and like can't leave their house. They're really frail and sick, and VR is the only way that she's able to like connect with a church. And so. Hmm. You know, it seems kind of silly when we talk about it now, but if technology keeps going the way it's going, this is the future. And the church needs to be in that space, not to get corrupted by Babylon, but to be a cleansing, purifying presence for the world in that space, I think. So, yeah. Um, anyway, you can go look those up. Um, That's cool. Trip, but hey, it's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, no, nothing should be done without consulting God and without wisdom. Absolutely. And I think, you know, absolutely you cannot replace real relationships with digital relationships. You need the real relationships just as much as you can leverage the Internet to create digital relationships. Um, and, you know, boundaries are needed. You know, uh, discretion is needed. Every God needs to impact the way we use everything, you know, including way more than technology and including our homes, including our workplaces. God needs to inform everything we do. Um, but we see, I see God kind of moving in this direction of like, we can do more with this right now. Like if God hijacked this system, 
imagine, uh, imagine how quickly God could make himself known. You know, the internet gives us access to instantaneous information and for, for very little money, like we can send a message for very little money, thousands of miles in a millisecond, right? Whereas Paul labored on these Roman roads and he almost got killed going town to town from several places that where people just did not like him and his message. Now we can do it so cheaply and efficiently and, and it's a real opportunity. So we're doing that and I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And I was so excited to have this discussion just because I feel like the spirit's really moving and I know it's a, t- a tough time for people financially yeah. and physically, you know, people are worried about getting sick and, and it's going to be tough, but man, I think the spirit's going to do some great things. And yeah. the more the church is ready, the more we can, we can really share the love of Jesus with people. Um, but Troy, that's, that's all I have. Did you have any other thing that you wanted to talk about? Um, man, there's so many things yeah, I could we could talk, talk about. about for but... hours. We could talk about this stuff. <laughs> I can share a few things that I, I'm seeing um, in terms of examples of how the church is, is moving forward. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing is, uh, you know, just acts of kindness and generosity. You know, I'm seeing people, I have a friend who, you know, he started buying groceries for people for the elderly in his community. Um, You know, actually I was a part of this group of singers this past Saturday where we did our, our thing, we were six feet apart from each other, but we went outside of our elderly folks' homes and, you know, sang hymns to them just to, just to let them know that we know who they are and we see them and we understand their isolation, but we still care about them even from a distance. So we were singing uh, to people in, in their front doors from the sidewalks and we are <laughs> like flash mobs. And it's just a really cool, you know, even – in that group, it's just really cool to see how deeply touched people were that they were noticed um, during this time. And so I'm seeing, you know, friends that I know um, doing things like trying to live out their faith authentically right in the, in the conditions that they're forced to live in. And it inspires me and it gives me hope. And I think that we're going to continue to see innovation and God moving in new ways that are, are going to forward his work. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he does. And I think uh, there's a video, right? Someone took a video of y'all singing. Is that on Facebook or Instagram? Uh, oh. uh, it's on Instagram. Yeah. So yeah. go check that out and, uh, you know, just see what, what the church is doing during this time. Um, well, Troy, if you want to lead us with a prayer, we'll, we'll end the episode today. Okay. God, we just thank you for uh, being our Lord, our Savior, for going before us. Um, You've paved the way into eternity for us, and you're resurrected, you're alive, you're active in our world right now. We thank you that we can trust you um, in our moment of global freakout. We thank you that we can know that you are moving us towards you. Uh, through everything we're experiencing we pray for i pray for each person listening to this podcast that they would know the the love of god on a deep level and be encouraged and gain hope from that and be inspired to share that with somebody so thank you god for this time to talk about you your church and what you're planning to do in this world 
I praise you for for Frank, who is my co-partner here, that we could have these conversations. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. Jesus came into the world announcing that the kingdom of God has arrived in him. Culture wants to have the kingdom without the king. But Jesus is as relevant today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Thank you for listening as we wrestle with how to live as disciples of Jesus in our modern culture and to share our relevant faith. God bless. Thank you.